Praise the Lord. Could you open your Bibles with me, please, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. Last week, we were talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Today, I want to talk about choosing the best part, being focused. And probably for the next two Sundays, we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit and, uh, and how to be productive in the kingdom, the importance of bearing fruits as healthy, a healthy church, healthy believers. But today I want to share with you a story from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, uh, from verse 38 to 42. I will be reading from the New King James Version, by the way, uh, in case you are using a different version this morning. Um, and I'm sure Chema will help us with the, with the, um, with the text on the, on the screens. Thank you, Chema. And this is a story that you probably heard many times. It's Mary and Martha worshiping and serving. Verse 38 says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him to, into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege we have to be here. We take sometimes for granted, Lord, the privilege that we have in this country to be able to come together and have freedom of assembly. And we can freely come and worship. We remember our brothers and sisters in different parts of the world who are persecuted for their faith. And Lord, today we just want to thank you for your word, for the privilege that we have to sit down here in a comfortable chair, in a warm building, with lovely people around us, and we can hear the message. Thank you that we are not in a, in a cave or in a hidden place or in a little apartment where we have to put pillows and mattresses in the windows. Thank you, Lord, that we, are, we can carry freely our Bibles or download different hundreds of versions and languages in our phones and we don't have to cut pages and hide them in our shoes. Thank you, Lord, for the, this luxury to be here today, to hear your word. We pray for our brothers and sisters in, in countries where because of their faith they, they can be put in jail or even been killed. And Lord, as, as we come together, help us, Lord, to take most of it. Help us to take advantage of this wonderful opportunity and help us to learn and grow and go out and shine and serve. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I would like to start the, this message today with a testimony. Uh, you probably heard it before. Many years ago, my father he, he was a, a lay minister, 
so he's, you know, he, he was never paid for being a, an ordained bishop, actually, and a church planter with our church. Um, he had he owned his own company, and he had um, he, he took a lot of pride on his craftsmanship. You know, mentioned that before he used to work. He he did some work for the former king of Spain and the prime minister. And uh, I remember going to the prime minister's summer house, sitting down in that big conference room. You know, um, and uh, I was seven or eight, and my dad would take me sometimes. You know, and. Uh, going to the president's house, that was something else. And, um, and he took a lot of pride on his craftsmanship, and, um, and he, he was looking for ways to extend um, his, his, his business, but his heart wasn't in the money or in the business. He was helping a lot of people, a lot of people from, from the church and people who, you know, young lads who were coming out of drugs and things like that, you know, he, he would give them an opportunity and they could do some work. And... Um, one particular occasion, he was going through a difficult time, and um, um, my my brother, my father, and my uncle, they they were um, uh, together in this business, and then they opened the, the business to another individual um, to bring other side of of business. And um, after a few years, um, there were some issues, and this man took my dad to court, um, and. Uh, my dad was this kind of guy who would always give opportunity to people. So my uncle was a bit more reserved. So all this expansion on, on this particular business, it was my dad's drive and idea. So when the situation exploded, my dad had to go and tell my uncle that this situation had happened and then they will have to go to court, etc. And he was very worried about this. My uncle is a lovely man, um, but he speaks his mind. <laughs> you see now where I get it from. And, uh, and my dad, you know, he was very worried. He got home in the, in the evening, and he was very worried that the following day he will have to go and talk to my uncle about the situation. Um, he didn't know how my uncle will take it. And uh, he, he, you know, they, they are, you know, they have a great relationship. They, they were good friends. So he went to bed very worried, extremely worried. He could hardly sleep. He spent the whole night, you know, thinking and turning from one side to another side of the bed. And all of a sudden, he fell asleep. And he reckoned that very early in the morning, he felt that he was probably sleeping for only about ten minutes. He heard this voice, and this voice said. Wake up, little Martha. And he woke up. And he was scared because he heard a voice. So he woke up. He started looking around the house, checking all of our, our rooms. You know that all the kids were fine. You know, we were four, four kids. I'm the eldest. And he was coming to check if all of all we were fine, if there was anyone in the house. He was scared because he heard a voice, a, an audible voice. Then he went back to bed, probably slept another few minutes, and the voice again, wake up, little Martha. He woke up, he didn't understand, and then he started praying. So he went to the bathroom, he's, you know, he would shave every morning, clean shave, my dad always, you know. very. And when he was looking in, in the mirror, all of a sudden, this story came to life. And then he just started laughing. At the point that he woke up, he woke up, woke all of us up. 
because he realized that he was so worried that God, with his sense of humor, was calling him little Martha, like the Martha of this story, who was worried about many things. Um, to make the long story short, obviously, um, he went to my uncle. My uncle was fine with the situation. He didn't react or say, I told you so, or anything like that. And they went to court, and they, of course, won the case. And, uh, and they could kick this, this guy out of the, of the business who was stealing a lot of money from them, and, and, and etc. So um, at the end, God had everything under control. But we have this story here where Martha and Mary, they have a very different approach of how to be in front of the master. Both are, were good. One was serving, was busy with serving. But the Bible says that Mary will sit at the feet of Jesus. Now, a cultural um, point here is that, very different to us, if we go to a classroom setting, uh, normally you are sitting down, like you are now, and the teacher will be standing, speaking, right? Most of the time. Sometimes you get, especially those old schools where you have a little platform, and the teacher is on that platform, and he's in a higher position, and he's talking to the pupils, and he's talking to, to the students, right? But in, in an Eastern culture, especially in the times of Jesus, um, when the master or a teacher was recognized and he was giving a lesson, the master will actually sit down in one of the, probably one of the few chairs that they may have in that house. He will be the one sitting down and everyone else will be standing. The opposite. So everyone will be standing. Come on, stand up, please. Come on. If that's okay, just for the sake of the illustration. Okay? Can you see me as well as before? Probably not. The ones at the back, I cannot see half of you. Right? So imagine if you, I will not do this because of the masks and the distancing or whatever, otherwise I will let you all come at the front and stand in a way that you could all see me and I could see you all. So imagine a big house. You may be sitting, God bless you. Imagine a big house where everyone is standing and the master is sitting down at the, at, on a chair. And the Bible says that Martha is busy serving, probably in the kitchen, bringing staff, being uh, wonderful in hospitality, which was Eastern culture. Jesus is, at the, is, is, is seated in, 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 on, on that chair. And Mary, she's not standing, she's actually seated at the feet of Jesus. Can you imagine Martha walking in and out, very busy, bringing, you know, the, the kebabs, you know, the, the olives, you know, the, the different types of sauces and, you know, and the smell. It was, and she's running and then all these people are in the house and she wants to serve everyone. And she's, you know, getting, uh, you know, she starts sweating and she's busy and, no, you know, she has to make sure that she's not burning the last bread that she put in the oven and she and she gets to the point that she cannot handle it anymore and she stops she stops the master and she shouts and say lord come on for goodness sakes that will be my version i'm working so hard here i'm serving and the my sister the the other lady of the house we were supposed to be doing this together come on you are a man of righteousness do you think this is fair Right? 
She's just sitting there at your feet. She's not even standing with the rest. I mean, if she would be standing, at least she's holding her own weight. But she's even sitting down at your feet. And I'm just walking here and struggling. And the Lord Jesus had this amazing way of, of saying things, right? And the Lord said to her, Martha, you are distracted. Number, point number one, you are distracted. Serving is great, but not at the expense of hearing the word of God. You are distracted. You are distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. In other words, God, I want you to see the problem as I see it, and I want you to do what I should do, what I will do. Does it sound familiar? When you want God to see things the way you see it, and you want God to act the way you would do it. But we know that doesn't, doesn't work like that, is it, with God, with God? Because He's Lord. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. So the fact that He's Lord means that He commands and you obey. He says things that has to happen, and then we follow in obedience. And the Lord Jesus said, and Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. When you see a name being said twice, it's, it's, it's important, okay? In, in, especially in the Greek. In the Hebrew sometimes, too, you, get, you don't get exclamation marks in the Hebrew. So when, when the Bible says, for example, in Isaiah 6, that the seraphim are shouting, holy, 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 is a way for, for the Hebrew to, to put exclamation marks. Probably they were not saying holy three times. They were saying, holy is the Lord. And here the Lord Jesus says, Martha, Martha. Maybe what, God was, what the Lord Jesus was saying in the middle of the meeting, he's teaching with normal voice. Like a Baptist preacher, not like a Pentecostal one. A normal voice, a nice tone. And then all of a sudden, Martha explodes. Lord, don't you see that? And why did she explode? Because she's a Mediterranean woman, okay? And they speak with their hands. And they get aggravated about things. And they show you in their face. Lord, don't you care? And probably the Lord has to... We have this picture, you know, the Lord with a lovely hair, perfect beard, blue eyes, very American eyes. Martha, Martha. <laughs> he was probably just speaking, and then all of a sudden he has to say, Martha! He's a Mediterranean man. He's calling her attention and the attention of everyone. Martha! You are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, Martha didn't know, but the Lord Jesus could do just like that. And he could feed 
5,000 people. Martha felt, it's in my power to feed everyone here. What she didn't realize is that the Lord was doing the feeding by speaking the word because and Martha was so caught in the culture, so caught in the responsibilities, so caught on what people expect from me that she was missing that the Son of God, the creator of the world, was sitting at her house speaking words of truth. Mary understood that. But Martha, a lovely lady, but she was so distracted. And I feel myself so identified with that. Especially this week. You know why God wants me to preach that? Because I'm preaching it to myself too. I'm not teaching from a high place because I know it all. I'm just Clay talking to Clay about the potter. I was distracted this week about many things. And God has to say, little Martha. <laughs> Let's choose the right part. Let's choose the, that good part. Hallelujah. Now, I want, to, I want to read you a story. I got this book here I would like to recommend to you. This is the Spanish version. It's called Lunes con mi viejo pastor. In English, it's Mondays with my old pastor. Okay? I want you to have a look at it. The author is a, a man of God. Um, I read this book a few years ago, and I bought a few copies in English that I gave away to some friends. And they came back to me saying that it was fantastic. I mean, the Spanish, the rhetoric and the writing is, is wonderful. But it's also as good in, in the English translation. And it's about, well, I will not tell you. You have to get it. You have to read this. It's almost like a devotional. It's not a devotional. It's a story. But you can read it. Every chapter could be like a devotional. It's about 12 different um, days. And each day is a teaching. You need to get this. Mondays with my old pastor. And it's by Jose Luis Navajo. I can show you the, 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 sort of the, the cover. It's exactly the same in the English version. Okay? You need to get this book. And I will, I will read you a story here, okay? And I will, I will try my best because I have not translated, so I will be translating it from, um, you know, just on the spot, right? It says, there was a, a Greek philosopher, a, a wise Greek philosopher many years ago. Um, and he was sort of like an explorer. He was traveling around and teaching. And he was very satisfied with himself, you know, how wise he was. He was um, so proud of his knowledge in philosophy and science. And on one occasion, he had uh, to cross a river. So he went to the, how you call the ferryman or the boatman, the boat owner. It was this elderly man. And he came to this boat owner, boatman, and asked him if he, you know, he could um, take him to the other side of the river. The river was quite quite a busy one, right? It was uh, strong currents, etc. It was a good day, though. So they got together in the boat, and then they start, you know, rowing. Rowing, you say? To the other side. And then this philosopher, you know, he looked around, and he saw this old man rowing peacefully, taking his time, focus his side in, in where he was going. 
And then this philosopher looked down at him, and he said to him, do you know anything about astronomy? And the boatman says, no, sir. He said, you lost a quarter of your life. Then he kept going, and he says, do you know anything about philosophy? And the boatman said, no, sir. He says, that's another quarter of your life gone. Tell me that at least you know something about history, ancient history. And the boatman says, no, sir, I don't know about ancient history neither. And the philosopher says, that's another quarter of your life gone. What a shame. And the story goes that um, this mighty wind came over the river and uh, the current was strong. Some waves, some rapids, and then the boat fl flapped over and capsized. Thank you, Bethany. And both men fell into the water. The boatman was very skillful, of course, in the water, so he started swimming to the other side. And when he arrived safely to the other side of the shore, he, he, he realized that he was by himself. So he looked back, and in the middle of the river, it was this philosopher trying to, you know, stay afloat. And the boatman shouted at him, Do you know how to swim? And he says, No, I don't. And then he says, You're losing the whole, your whole life. Your whole life is gone. So sometimes it's not, you know, what you know is if you know the real important things. Or the things that you need for that particular moment. Now, there's another story I want to talk to you, all right? Which is the focus of this message today, about being focused on the things of God. And you heard me saying this before a couple of times, and it's the story of the woodcutter or the lumberjack, right? I got an axe recently. <laughs> I love it. To my axe, I have a lot of woods in, in the back of our house, and the, you know, behind the fence, we have these woods, and uh, we have some people that, uh, some tree surgeons that came and cut five trees, five massive trees. The one behind our house, is a, it was a sycamore tree, like the one in the Bible. 200 years old sycamore tree, but it was so mighty and that it was, you know, it was dangerous. It was too close to the house. If the roots were lifting up part of the foundation and things like that, so they have to cut it. But then they planted another 16 oaks, Right? So there's plenty of wood there since last year or two years ago. And I got this fire thing, you know, fire chimenea, fire pit or whatever. And um, I've been buying wood like crazy. And I thought, I'm, I'm losing money here, John. I got, I got the woods there, so I'm going to get my, myself an axe. <laughs> I got my working jeans, got my, my, my check, you know, shirt like David's, and, <laughs> and actually got one like Andy's. Yeah, you know, got my axe, I'm a man, you know, didn't shave that day, right, selected some wood, and I was like, you know, just, you know, and it's, it's hard work, it's a hard work, I think next year I'm going to buy one, of, you know, anyway, so I was thinking about the story of the lumberjack, okay, this Woodcutter, lumberjack, 
The story says that the salary was good, the working conditions were good also, so the woodcutter took the decision to do a good job. He was assigned a specific area of the forest. First day, he cut 18 trees. Well done, his manager congratulated him. He was encouraged by the words of his manager. So he went to bed earlier that day, that night, to, with the idea to beat his own mark of 18 trees the next day. Second day, he cut only 15 trees. Third day, not even half of the first day. Fourth day, seven trees. Fifth day, five trees. Sixth day, spent the whole afternoon trying to cut his second tree. Worried for what the manager would say, he decided to tell him what was going on and promised to make, him, to make an effort. The manager asked him, when was the last time you sharpened your axe? Sharpen the axe, he said. I was too busy cutting trees. You see? When the axe is not sharp, sharpened, we will have to double our effort to achieve half of the result. And I do believe, and this is my punchline here, I believe that we need to sharpen our axe. This is what the Lord was saying to Martha. You are so distressed, you are so troubled with things that you're losing focus. You're frustrated, you are tired because we are losing focus. And Martha, and Mary, excuse me, Mary is just the best part. She's focused. Now, I want to share with you three basic points. One, it's an old Latin uh, refrain which says, ora et labora, you know, meaning pray as you work or labor. Serve while praying and pray while serving. You know, focus in God more and before men. Therefore, when you stand before them, there will be a treasures that you will be able to share with them. The Bible talks about us being salt and light. But what happens if the salt lose its nature, its saltiness. It's good for nothing but to be thrown on the ground and be trampled by men. That's the kind of salt that we use in the roads in, in winter. They're not good for anything else than that. And the Lord Jesus is very clear that we should be focused, that we should renew our understanding. And this is especially important for believers like us Many of us here that have been in the Lord for many, many years. Because we think that we know it all. That we have experienced most of it. And God is way bigger than we are. And he's constantly challenging us not to run our Christian life in our own experience and our own strength. But to rely on him, the author and the finisher of, the faith, of our faith. And this is extremely important. And he was speaking to me this week because I was there. I was distracted. I was doing so many things, but when the important thing has to happen, you're fruitless because you've been doing so many other stuff that you're not even focused. So I believe an important thing that we have to realize is that is the importance of doing whatever God has called us to do at the same time that we are praying about it, that we are connected to God. You see, the importance of 
doing everything that he has called us to do, depending on him and not depending on our own um, skills and experiences alone. Right? Ora et labora. Um, there's so many stories I could tell you, but I've said enough stories today. But it's so important that we are focused on the Lord. It doesn't matter how much you know about ministry, how many years in ministry you have been, or how, for how many years you've been in church. God is encouraging us to depend on Him. Bethany was giving this word this morning about for someone in this room. And I felt the same. Death and desperation and lack of hope. But Jesus is here to give you hope. Not religion. Not Elgin Community Church. Not the church of God. Jesus Christ himself. He wants to have a relationship with you. And it's Christ the only one that can save you and can restore you. Because he created you. This church then created you. This denomination or our um, uh, declaration of faith didn't save you. It is the person of Jesus Christ. There is no other. And we need to realize that. So many times we have pride in who we are. We are the oldest Pentecostal church denomination in the world. Or we are from the first Baptist church. Or we are the first... That's useless. It is our faith in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus Christ wants to have a relationship with you. And we are distracted. We are doing so much stuff that he's trying to tell us, focus in what is important. What is that? Sit at my feet and learn. We were sharing that a few weeks ago. Take, your, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble. Learn from me. Learn from me. I don't know about you, but I'm desperate to learn from God. To learn more from Jesus. His gentleness. His truth. I fall short big time when I think about His greatness. And I realize that it doesn't matter how much I acquire, I will always run short because He's the source of life. And it's actually when we are dependent on Him that that life will flow through. And this is so important, brothers and sisters. This is so important. Because as I said many times, Christianity is an impossibility without the Holy Spirit. So many times we try to achieve and we are always struggling because we are supposed to live our Christian life dependent in, our, in relationship with the Holy Spirit. So everything we do, remember this, ora et labora. As you serve, keep on praying. Remember that story in Isaiah chapter 6 I mentioned earlier. When Isaiah saw the Lord on his throne and there were seraph, seraphs or seraphim, E-M is plural in Hebrew. And these are the seraphim. And they have what? Six wings. They were weird creatures. They're not like us. The, the seraphim, the, the word in itself is burning serpents. They were like dragons. And, and their face is, 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 is shining. It's like when you go to the beach and you get a lovely suntan, right? From the sun. Well, they are suntan, but 
from the presence of God. They're glowing. It's like, it's like fire. It's like when you put a metal close to a barbecue or something like that, and, and they're, it's glowing. That's actually the, the nature of their name. They are glowing in the presence of God. And they have six wings. With two, they're covering their faces. With two, they're covering their feet. And with two, they fly. If we compare that to uh, Psalm 95, when he talks the first verse about coming to the Lord and praising and, 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 and dancing in his presence like Angie was doing today, she could not stand. You should see her before the service started. She was broken in tears in the, in, in the worship practice. And when we started the worship, she just couldn't hold the microphone. She has to run around the building dancing and praising the Lord. Hallelujah. That's boldness. That's like David. I'm going to worship you although people will despise me. Hallelujah. And those seraphim are flying around the throne of God and they are shouting to one another, Holy, holy, holy. Which possibly is just a big shout. Holy. I don't know. Maybe one day we will see it. It's the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full with His glory. Right? Psalm 95 talks about that. Celebrating and dancing and shouting like that video that Shema put this morning. And celebrating and dancing for His good. And His mercy endures forever. But then verse 6. Psalm 95 verse 6 says, Come into the presence of the Lord. It says, Bow down, kneel down. And bow down. I have done this illustration many times, especially using John, symbolizing the presence of God, right? And I bow down and kneel down. John, can you see my face or my feet? Exactly. When they cover their face, which is their identity, the Bible says that our identity is hidden in Jesus Christ. When we cover our feet, which is the gospel of peace, when we cover our feet, we are telling the Lord, my identity and my liberty to do whatever I want is in you. My face, my feet are rooted in you, Lord. My service is you. But then they have two other wings, and with those two they fly. In other words, they're worshiping with four wings, and they're doing something, serving with two wings. The teaching here is worship comes always first or before service and in a double proportion. God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have intimacy with you. That's the meaning of knowledge in the Hebrew, not in the Greek. The Greek is here. We want our knowledge to be here. Chema, that clock is frozen. I thought I have 29 minutes and I have three minutes. <laughs> I thought I, I, can, I can elaborate more my first point because I got 29 minutes. I'm doing quite okay. <laughs> God wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to have intimacy with us. And again, that's how the Hebrew means. You know, when Adam knew his wife, what does it mean to know his wife? That they have intimacy. That they were exposed and known as they were in the holiness of marriage. Whatever we do, forget about doing it in your own strength. There's so much that you can do. There's so far that you can go. We need the Holy Spirit. Very quickly, point number two. Success versus victory. So success is an expression 
of the business world. Victory is an expression of combat. You've got military here. You understand that. Victory. You know what victory is, don't you? Combat. Victory in combat. Christian living is not a spiritual business. It is a spiritual warfare. Jesus was not a man of numbers. He fed 5,000 men without counting the women and the children. In another occasion, he fed 4,000. He went to towns where they wanted to make him king. And he has to run. Thousands of people. Hundreds of thousands maybe in his lifetime. Ministered by him. Healed by him. But at the cross, there were only the faithful women. Women are brave. The mighty disciples. Wake up! Chicken away. Apart from John, the youngest, the teenager. The one who was crazy enough to believe God, no matter what. And the women. I get so aggravated when I hear pastors Leaders talking negatively about women in ministry. Number one, they don't know what they're talking about. Taking things out of context. Luke is actually the gospel that speaks more about women than any other part in the Bible. The women were there. When everyone left him, the women were there. He was not a man of numbers. In the upper room, only 120. Where? Where, where are all the thousands? Jesus Christ was not a man of success in terms of numbers. But he was a man of victory because he conquered death. And we are saved here today because of him. We have this idea that our ministry has to be successful. No, your ministry has to be victorious. And point number three, I will finish with this. We're going to be talking the next few weeks, I told you about the fruit of the Spirit and about fruitfulness. But I want to start those two um, talks, if you like, with this declaration. God is more impressed with clean hands than with full hands. God is more impressed with clean hands than with full hands. Way too often we perceive God as a demanding boss. Right? That Zeus up there on his throne with his white beard and his thunders. And he will fulminate you the moment you get it wrong. We often think that he's that boss. But he is a loving father. God loves fellowship. Way more and before any production may happen. And that's it really. God wants a relationship with you. And he said that to Martha. Martha, you're great. I love you. I appreciate your service, but 
Wouldn't it be better if you were closer? Wouldn't it be better if you just listened to what I'm saying? Wouldn't it be better if you just make that link, that connection between the focus of this meeting, actually, in that house, he's sitting and talking? The cultural aspects are great. It's good to have food after the service, isn't it? We cannot do our teas and coffees just yet, but we hopefully will do it soon, and we will have fellowship after the service. I'm looking forward to that. But we have to comply with the rules. We have been called to fulfill the law of the land and be good stewards and, and, and be a good testimony. The, the fellowship is great. But what Jesus was doing was passing on the bread of life. He is the bread of life. And the Bible says that man will not live out of bread alone, but Every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Oh, how I wish I could be there. Not, not only to see the story, but to be at the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel God will be speaking to us these next few weeks. I was struggling this week, as I said before. And, and until last night, and part of this morning, when I spent time in prayer is when I felt God leading me in this direction. And not only that, he also gave me the message for the next two Sundays, like that. But I was struggling the whole week because I was so busy. And then when you have to stand and say, Lord, what do you want me to tell your church? I said that every week. Lord, what do you want me to tell your church? I've been so distracted. I have nothing to give. I admit it, nothing to give. Try. Lord, what shall I do? Because I know what's been happening in the last few Sundays. I'm not the, the one producing those things. So you better show up, Lord, over my shortcomings. We need to admit that, that we are fragile, that we are, there's so much that we can do, church. But God, <laughs> he's the God of victory he's the God of peace he's the God of fellowship many of you um, still struggle with that concept of achievement and fulfilling God's law and, and, and getting to your discipline and there's nothing wrong with discipline it's very important it's part of your character we're going to be talking about that too in the next few weeks but what God is concerned is not in you getting everything spot on. What He's concerned is that you and I are in relationship, in a healthy, intimate relationship with Him. It's great to know philosophy and astronomy and ancient history. But if we don't know how to swim you're going to struggle in the middle of a river. Water is a way to symbolize this world. In many dreams, water symbolizes the world. The seas, the unknown, what is dangerous. The Lord says that we are fishers of men. We have to go to the world and fish out of the world those men and women 
He's calling us to be fishermen. And we are in a fishing boat, not a, not a cruise ship. We're in a fishing boat. And uh, he wants us to, through our own experiences and suffering, you may think, how great, you know, God said to Peter, he's calling him to be a fisherman. But you see, Peter understood what to be a real fisherman was, because that's what he was, a fisherman. But a fisher of men? That's a different story. But he knows the danger and the effort and waking up very early and be freezing cold in the night and cutting your hands and stink to fish and having to keep your boat spotless in terms of checking that there's no water coming through, that, that your tools are sharp, that the nets are properly mended. God wants to use your experience, your suffering, your cuts, your wounds. He wants to be glorified through you, don't you see? We think that we need to have everything sorted out so we can go and serve. And God says, no, you go and serve. You will sort out things on the way. He wants you to surrender to Him, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm eight minutes over time, but it's Chema's fault this Sunday. <laughs> Love you, Chema. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? If you feel, if you feel to respond to the Lord from, you know, from this message today, just there where you are, just, just surrender to the Lord. There where you are, just say, Lord, I'm yours. Lord, I want to I don't want to be a Martha, Lord. I want to be a Mary. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. We love you today, Lord. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Like me, Lord, we get sometimes distracted. We get worried. We get busy. And when the real time comes... when we're in the middle of the storm, and the most important thing is that we know how to swim in this world. All the philosophy and all the history and all of that is wonderful, but do we know how to conduct ourselves in the high currents of a river? Lord, I pray with all my heart that each and every one of us, Lord, will be renewed, that you will refresh our our mind, that you will renew our minds and help us, Lord, not just to try to feed in what we think is expected of us as a religious person, but, Lord, that we can sit at your feet and we can learn from you that we are going to be constant, eternal people, learners, students of your word, of you. Lord, we love you, Lord. Lord, we love you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I surrender. I surrender all. All to Jesus. Lord, we surrender as your church, as people of God. We bow down before you in worship and adoration, Lord. And we give it to you all. 
our shortcomings, our messy rooms, they belong to you. You have the power to come and clean. You have the power to come and restore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, help us to be real. Help us to be real. Lord, we don't want to live a life pretending. We don't want to live this life with a mask on. Lord, we want to live a life of truth and sincerity before you and before men. Hallelujah. Give us the boldness. Give us the power. Give us the strength. Give us the determination to see through, Lord. Hallelujah. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. I love you. Have a lovely week.